ora, ko Debbie Tokoingoa. I'm Debbie Clark. Kia ora, ko Josie Tokoingoa. I'm Josie Major. Welcome back to the Good Awaits podcast. We are pretty excited about this episode. Um, we had a very bustling call of about seven people for this episode of the Good Awaits podcast. And we spoke with Christian Utenbosch from the Regeneration Collection. Christian is co-founder of the Smart Travel Lab, uh, which has also created this this program, the Regeneration Collection. And it was in its pilot year this year. Uh, this program, it's an international event for bachelor students in the fields of hospitality, conservation and architecture. And they bring cross-disciplinary teams of students together um, around a concept. They need to design a hospitality concept that has lodging that is regenerative and serves to regenerate the places in which the concept is located in. Yeah, it's a really inspiring project. And because this was the pilot, um, we were really interested to speak with Christian about about what they're trying to do with this project and to speak with some of the students as well. So we were lucky enough to have representatives from the two pilot teams um, join us for this podcast episode. So you're going to hear from, from four of the students that were involved in the program. Uh, firstly, from Ryerson University, now known as Toronto Metropolitan University, we had Johnny Braun and Lucia Duarte. And from NHL Stenden University of Applied Sciences, we had Adam Somerville and Naila Presson. So it was great to have both teams uh, talk about the project that they've been through and also to have Christian uh, introduce the project to us. So we started off by asking Christian what the project is about and how it actually came into being. We're really uh, excited to learn more about this amazing project that you've created, the Regeneration Collection, to learn about the whole project, how it came about, what the aim of it is, what the process has been. So if you can speak to that a little bit for us, it'd be great. Absolutely. Um, so, so I think it started about, uh, I think that the first moment was about two years ago when uh, COVID obviously started um, and, and we had a an, an innovation agency focusing on sustainable travel. And, and like everybody knew within a couple of weeks uh, when we uh, were up and running in March, uh, I think it, it was such a, you know, the entire industry collapsed. And I think the first couple of weeks were um, for us also very hectic. Basically, we went bankrupt within a couple of weeks. Uh, but at the same time, I think already within the first few weeks, we had a strong feeling that this was like a, a type of blessing in disguise uh, because while we had been talking about sustainability for many years and trying to get people to move this was like a um an, 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 an amazing acceleration where everybody started looking at what is it that we need to do uh what is the future going to look like um uh, and pretty quickly, there were a lot of voices and a lot of people and a lot of organizations really looking at how do we then, if we go back to tourism, this was more after a couple of months, how do we go back and how do we build it back better? And everybody knows these terms still, I think. So I think this was the first key defining moment in which we did a lot of work on scenario planning for the future. And, and when uh, Peter, Ruben and myself were sitting down and looking at all the 
work that we had collected uh, in terms of, you know, what might this look like? I think the the thing that really stood out to us as um, as, as inspirational, as, as a promising way forward was everything related to the notion of regeneration. And uh, while we have been talking about sustainability, and I think there are many people like Bill Reed, I think, who can explain it very well, it was always about um, doing less harm. And this was all about actually looking at it from a, what we thought was a very positive um, outlook. And, and I think the, 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 the quote that I particularly liked is, is the one from, from Sir David Attenborough, where he talks really about we now have the opportunity to create the perfect home for ourselves. And, and that's really what it felt like to us. And, and we were so inspired by that that I think that was the real starting point of um, what a year and a half, or almost two years later, actually ended up in the event that we, uh, that we had uh, in, in March. That's a beautiful starting point, isn't it? And, and hopeful too, which is, you know, what we want to focus on amid all of these challenges we're facing. Yeah. Talk about what the what the whole project was about. So, so we had organised um, a similar type of challenges before, because we were very in our work in terms of looking for innovation. Uh, we we got very inspired by by basically the 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 others that we see on the, on the podcast or here on the podcast today. You know, uh, um, a new generation. You know, my generation. I'm early forties. I think if you look at the way we were brought up was in a specific way and it really feels like if you want to create something new, you need to have fresh perspectives. You need to have young, it doesn't need to be young people necessarily by age, but different thinkers, people are open to it. But then working with students, I think is a, is a great place uh, to start. So we had organized challenges in the past, um, focused around sustainability in, in hospitality. Um, but when we, when we identified the topic of regeneration, we thought, wow, this is amazing. And, and, and we would like to do also this type of challenge quite different than many of the others which were around. So I think the, 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 the few things where we thought it was very different, one is regeneration is quite a different angle to look at it, right? Um, yeah. Second thing is rather than saying we've got a hotel which we want to be built and, and students can work on it and tell us the, way, the best way to build it, we thought we wanted to leave it open. Really look around in the country or the region where you live and think about, you know, uh, what would it, you know, what would first of all be a place that's in need of re- regeneration? So, so find a location, find a place and the importance of place. You know, I also liked in, in, in some of your previous uh, episodes, uh, you know, this was a, a big part of discussion uh, around the importance of place. Yeah. So, so really look around and, and think about it and use that as a starting point and then try to be as open as possible in terms of creating a regenerative hospitality concept. And um, so that was the aim. So so the two teams actually got the uh, goal to create a regenerative hospitality concept, and it could be whatever they like um, in a location that they had chosen because they thought that was an interesting uh, place to, to do it. Um, and I think the third thing, which is um, which we thought was very important, is to work with different disciplines. So we know hospitality students are great at many things, Right. Uh, but they also, you know, I think uh, it's, it's, it, it, the real magic is when you start working also with other disciplines. So we wanted to have people with an architecture background. We wanted to have people with, um, uh, more conservation background involved in the, um, in the projects, either as an expert or as part of the team. Um, 
because then you get much more of that cross fertilization. So I think these were the important uh, um, topics. Um, and and I think maybe the last thing to say about how it came about that we basically pretty quickly through one of uh, Peter's connections got in touch with Stenden. And and when we first talked about this project, they said, you know, we're all about um, stimulating young people to become change makers. And, and we're onto it. We don't really get the concept yet, but we, by the sounds of it, this, this feels like the right thing to do. And I think that's what, that was the, 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 you know, that's, I think that was the energy that we needed to, to then push it on and, and look for others um, and other universities to, to participate. I think that's when you know you're onto something good when that, when that sort of that energy comes together like that. And uh, I love that. And, and, I think those things that you touched on about the place, you know, the importance of place and rooting the projects in place and also that cross-disciplinary approach, those, both those things are so innovative and exciting. Um, and so really looking forward to hearing some of the students' reflections on, on those pieces as well. But um, you've spoken a little bit to why, why now and sort of what the, why it's important in this current moment, but but what's what's next? Like, what do you see as as the sort of future for the regeneration collection? So, so I think since the um, since that moment, I think it, for us it was all pure uh, pioneering and uh, and discovery, right? Uh, like the same type of work that you've been doing in New Zealand over the last couple of years, like uh, what what Anna Pollock has been doing in uh, in you know in Belgium many years ago. Um, so I think there's a lot of people pioneering. What I love about this maybe movement, if you can call it like that, I think is is the openness in sharing and learning and realizing that we don't know exactly what we're doing, but we have a sense of what it could be like and what it could look like. Um, so I'm not exactly sure where it's going, but if you look at the regeneration collection, it's, it's very much the aim is to well, obviously continue this uh, this um, event and and for next year we're aiming for, um, we must probably have around between 10 and 15 uh, universities participating and uh, after the pilot where well, we actually worked with two. Um, so I think that's a very nice start uh, because we were very, and the reason that we did it is both the process, but also the output of both teams, which we thought, well, this is spot on in terms of level inspiration um, that uh, that we were looking for. So I think that's that's big credit to the effort that the teams put in that we thought, wow, this is, this is worthwhile continuing with this. It's, it's by no means perfect yet in terms, you know, the process and a, a lot of things that we had to learn together. But I think that's, uh, it gives us a lot of confidence to move forward with that. But I think also on the back of that, we've now started talks with, um, uh, with, with uh, teams um, uh, who, who focus on regenerative agriculture in Spain and in Portugal, who, who actually are looking for training programs. So we're now developing training training programs with uh, the regeneration collection across Europe uh, in first in- instance. So you see how this momentum is growing, and I think it's it really helps that people are involved within this. I think um, yeah, are very open to learn and try to build something together. So I think concretely. We're moving on and we're making the, the the regeneration project next year and we're extending it to 10, 15 teams also from different parts of, uh, of the world. But I think as a movement itself, you know, the way we can contribute through education, through also um, uh, including that within the curriculum of, uh, of the universities, there's so much to learn and so many opportunities. 
Um, I find it very difficult to predict where it's going to be in, in two or three years, but uh, I love the positive momentum which is behind it. And that's very, uh, very regenerative that it's a process of emergence, right? You're not really sure where it's going or what the outcomes are going to be, but you're trusting in the process that you're involved in and bringing together these diverse people from different countries and different backgrounds and going into regenerative ag and bringing all of this energy together and, and figuring this out, co-designing and figuring out with the teams and, you know, with people involved where, you, where you're going. Yeah, which is fantastic. And and that's really hopeful, I think. And that's this opportunity that we have at this time. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Thanks, Christian. We're going to shift our focus a bit to the teams. And we've got um, four members of the two different teams here with us today, which we're really excited to talk with you all. So let's, uh, I'm, I'm keen for you each to take a moment to introduce yourselves um, and tell us why you joined the project. Yeah, my name is uh, Nela. I'm 21 from uh, Germany originally. And uh, yeah, I joined the project because I saw a huge learning opportunity. And when I heard the words regeneration, I was not really sure what it is, but I was like, okay, it's going in the sustainable direction somehow. And that was already really interesting. And I'm trying to, you know, live sustainable and um, try to grow there as well. So I was like, I'll just do it and meet all the experts uh, on the way and yeah i can learn a lot from it so that's why why i joined in the in the beginning yeah adam you're on the same team right yeah so i'm from ireland <laughs> and uh i'm here living in the netherlands and uh yeah i'm 28 years old um so from for me um i had been signing up for loads of just extracurricular things i had recently done a circular economy for plastics uh, like a short program uh, for about two weeks and was just fascinated by that and uh, had learned a lot and um, I was kind of weighing up my options about what I wanted to invest all my time and energy into next and uh, came across this project and it just struck me as really interesting um, I didn't know what it was I couldn't get my head around it when I did some research on it initially and I said I have to I have to go for it so uh, yeah made the application and it's been really interesting being able to challenge myself and uh, Really enjoyed it. So, hi. Um, so, my name is Lucia. Thank you so much for having me. So, I'm 23 years old and I'm from Argentina. And I moved to Toronto some years ago to start studying hospitality and tourism management at Ryerson, uh, now known as the Toronto Metropolitan University. Um, and yeah, I joined this project because I was really drawn to the idea of working on a more long-term project, so a project lasting several months, and also with students from different disciplines. That's something that I hadn't done before. And during my time as a student, I had um, explored a bit about the topic of regenerative tourism, and I had written um, a bit about it as a research assistant as well, but I had never really gotten the chance to dive more into it and create something meaningful in relation to it. So that was, that was just super exciting to me, that opportunity. So that, I guess that's one of the main reasons why I joined. Hi, everyone. Uh, so my name is Johnny. I'm originally from Israel, but now I live in Toronto. Um, so it's a good question. I would say that I'm probably the, the opposite of Adam's answer, that I never really was involved in a lot of things in school at all. Um, but I obviously loved the program and I loved, you know, being with friends and, and professors and whatnot, but I never really felt the need to, to get involved. But then in the fall of 2021, I worked with 
uh, one of my favorite professors who ended up being one of our, um, one of our, I guess, uh, I don't know, mentors for this. Um, and she came to, to me and, and one of our other uh, uh, group mates about this idea and she pitched it really well. And she said, listen, it's, it's an opportunity to explore more of a topic that everyone's interested in. It's an opportunity, like Lucia said, um, to meet people from different schools and to explore what sustainable and regenerative tourism looks like in different parts of the world. Um, and I said, okay, this sounds really interesting. And we got the initial conversation with Christian and he sold it really well. And I would say that I haven't looked back since. <laughs> I love that. And, and hats off to you all because being a part of the, the pilot of a program like this is, is a big deal, like to, to just dive into it. And, and like, I think all of you said, you know, not quite knowing what to expect or what it might, what it might look like. So I think that's awesome. To that point, I think that that is indeed also, I think in our experience, we spoke to about 20 universities um, in, you know, upcoming to, you know, and, and, and this was about a year and a half ago uh, before we, uh, before we started. So we said, we have this idea and, and thanks Johnny for saying that I sold it really well. Normally I'm, I'm, I take quite a lot of words that it takes a bit of time before, uh, before people get it, especially with this type of topic, right? And, and I think that's also something that you, you experience. Yeah. It's not always that easy. And, and this is a famous, famous saying from, from a Dutch uh, ex-football player who says, you know, you only see it when you get it. And, and I think that's the, what we noticed talking to 20 universities. I think there were about five or six who got it. And the others were, okay, we're, we're not too sure. You know, we, we do a lot in sustainability. We've got a lot of other things to focus about in, in all, you know, for, for good reasons. And then you need... Um, and we wanted to have at least two, the minimum. Ideally, we wanted to have around five or so. We said, you know, we're gonna we're gonna go for this. So, so the fact that uh, that um, Johnny was saying, you know, from one of my professors who said this is a great opportunity, and we think this 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 works. We thought the uh, I think it's now called the Toronto Metropolitan Metropolitan University and and Rice and First um, and um, Hotel Management School uh, NHL Stenden. These were the two who said, you know, we. We're also not really sure, but we feel this is strongly, um, this is important to do. Mm. And, uh, and, and I think taking that step and, uh, helping all of us to do this type of pilot, to have this type of experience, I think is so, I'm, I'm really grateful for that. And it's so valuable in, in terms of trying to get momentum behind this because it's now it's a lot easier. Now that a lot of universities who said, you know, last year when you told me about it, I didn't get it yet. But now, actually, it's, it sounds amazing. If I look at what these teams have created, it's phenomenal. And I would love to be part of it. So, so I think that notion, what you were saying, Josie, yeah. I think is so important in terms of leaning in and trying it out. And, uh, and, and I think that, uh, that's, that's been instrumental. Yeah, and even what you were saying earlier as well, Christian, about how this movement is just gaining momentum. And a lot of that is thanks to people like all of you who who are willing to just kind of like dive into something and, and give it a go. And we're in such new territory, you know, it's um, we're all figuring it out together. So it's um, yeah, it's, it's really, a, it's such a privilege to get to speak to people who are, who are also trying to trying to do this work because it's certainly what we're trying to do with the podcast, bring some of these conversations to the forefront. Yeah. We, we want to learn a little bit about your, about your projects. So Maybe starting with the with the team from Toronto, 
could you just give us a brief summary of your amazing project and a little bit about, in particular, the the place where where the project is, and and sort of what's unique about that place. Um, because as Christiane talked about, obviously that was a that was a part of the way these projects unfolded. So, um, would love you to, to speak to that part of it as you as you describe the project. So that's a good question. So I think well, well to begin, I think what was interesting about this this project in particular is that we had total freedom to choose where we wanted. To, to make this hotel and sort of what we wanted to do. So the background of our hotel comes from, I think like weeks of negotiating where we actually wanted it to be. And we originally were gonna make a completely new building. We were gonna, um, you know, incorporate it into um, like the rural land outside of the city, um, but that just became a bit too complicated. Um, and so we ended up deciding, we did a bit more research into tourism in Toronto and we decided to stick into the city. And so it sort of started with deciding where we wanted to do. And our professor, who ended up being our mentor, actually pitched the Evergreen Brickworks. Um, Evergreen Brickworks is this area in the city. Uh, it's along this uh, river called the Don Valley River, uh, which is sort of like center east of downtown Toronto. Um, and it was an old uh, clay factory uh, and it used to be a quarry there. And so it has a lot of history in terms of most if not all brick structures in the city came from that building. Um, but it also has a really important indigenous history to it. And that's something that's really, that was really important to our project, at least the foundations, um, is that the Don Valley Parkway used to be an old portage site for indigenous communities going from Lake Ontario, which is the big lake, going all the way up to Lake Simcoe, which is another big lake and that's sort of where um a lot of the indigenous tribes are are and that's where a lot of the reserves are right now and so what happened with that is we decided to build our hotel here and so it, it sort of originated I, I wish i could show you our planning process we had this huge uh myro board um all about you know where, who, why, when, and we had this whole process with all these different bubbles of interaction of the hotels in the middle, who's interacting where, and that's when the people to people, people to planet and people to place um, theory came up. So a big reason why we actually chose uh, the Brickworks or a big reason why we really like the Brickworks um, is because Evergreen operates as a social enterprise. Um, so this means that um, all of the, you know, the profits that are generated from their ventures are actually invested in um, Evergreen's projects, which all have a focus in uh, maximizing social and environmental well-being across Canada. So we really like the idea of having our hotel sort of collaborate with Evergreen and, um, you know, like uh, support their programming and maybe even like complement their programming. So that was one of the big reasons why we really liked um, the Brickworks. And then of course, like Johnny kind of mentioned, like you're still in the city, but it's, you know, it's a green hub. Like it doesn't really feel like you're in the city. So that was a great opportunity, you know, to um, sort of connect with nature, or like explore how we can provide that experience for both guests and community members. Like one big thing about our hotel is that we wanted it to be dedicated not just to um, guests, but also to community members and the environment. Um, so that's something that we really knew from the beginning that we wanted to highlight. 
Um, and oh yeah, and basically the name the quarry. So that's the name of our hotel. It's inspired by the history of you know the brickworks and um, the fact that it was a brick factory, like Johnny mentioned. I wanted to ask you, you, you mentioned this, um, this person to person, person to place, person to environment, which I think you were calling ecosystems relationships model. Could you talk to us a little bit about that? Because I think that's really interesting and, and maybe, um, give us a couple of examples from your design. Cause I know there's lots of architectural features or community, uh, development features that you, that you developed as a part of that model. So could you speak a little bit to that? Okay. So, um, the, ecosystems relationship model sort of um so we got that from evergreens um one of their core values is uh connections so um they prioritize connections and uh relationships so um basically it originates from that and um they're the main relationships that they focus on is person to place person to person and person to planet um so person to person, I would say, focuses more on the social sustainability aspect of it and how we wanted to um, sort of benefit the community through the programming and the design of the hotel. Johnny, do you want to provide any example that you think? Of? Sure, yeah. Um, so for person to person, a lot of what we worked on, um, is both internal and external. So like what I said before about our bubble system we made, which I wish I could show you, um, (laughs) that, that had to do, that was essentially split into three different parts. So it had the hotel in the center and we color coded three different bubbles. So one, um, impact on the public, one impact, uh, to private, meaning, you know, hotel guests, and the third one into the semi-public. So that would include, you know, the Evergreen. Evergreen hosts a lot of summer camps and camps in the winter um, for kids and also a lot of community programs. Um, and so where that sort of, um, I guess where that sort of went to um, is splitting that into three different categories. So that's collaborations with existing programs. So that could be using our green space for the Evergreen Summer um, Greenworks Camp, which essentially takes school kids um, and teaches them how to create sustainable design, you know, in education institutions and in the system itself. So utilizing the green space to talk about, you know, how do we make more available green space for children specifically? Another one was partnership. So that was partnering with external community organizations. So that was partnering with, um, for example, um, oh, let me think, uh, the uh, neighborhood community centers and the surrounding neighborhoods that um, some of them are sort of low income communities and a lot of um, recent immigrants live there. And so working with them to create uh, employee work programs and uh, creating mentorship programs to sort of facilitate future long term employment um, for you know newly landed immigrants um, and whatnot. And then another one was also the employee aspect. So that was making sure that our employees you know, are, are selected because they want to work there because they believe in the mission. Uh, but that's also giving them the opportunity to give back to the community. So giving them, you know, X amount of volunteer days, giving them the opportunity to mentor people in the community. And so that was sort of our three, our hotel focused around the number three a lot. So there's a lot of, <laughs> it's a good number. you know, yeah. Yeah. Right. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> trilogies in it. So if you're like a Lord of the Rings fan, you know, there's three, it's all three. And so, um, an ode to New Zealand, by the way. Um, <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. So, <laughs> um, so that was that was where our, our person to person came into play. Um, 
And then I can, I can touch quickly about the the person to place. I wish that Meredith and Nicholas, they were uh, our two other architecture and interior design teammates. And they did the most fantastic job creating our actual model and our actual hotel. And so where that comes into play is essentially showing the story of, you know, the history to our modern lives through the hotel. And so that was, um, you know, ensuring that the outside of the hotel, our design had a, what would, what one would say a storyboard to it. So it started off the original bricks and then it moved to um, this sort of like shattered uh, gloss panes on the outside to show the transition between it being a quarry and it being very harmful to the environment and slowly transitioning into this social enterprise that it is today and this green space that it is, that it is today. And then ending with, you know, beautiful wood panels and our solar, um, our solar chimney and our, and our greenhouse on the top that there was this, you know, modern symbol of, you know, taking, we don't have to necessarily reinvent the wheel. We just need to, you know, take a step forward while looking a step back to see how we can change a few things. That's beautiful. And I love that that's represented quite physically in the design of, yeah. the, of the hotel itself. I think that's, a, and having seen some of the pictures that you presented when you, when you presented your project, um, it's a very beautiful looking space. So hopefully we'll be able to provide some links for people to see that. Uh, it's the problem with podcasts that you can't, you can't see it as well. We might have to get you to take a screenshot of your uh, Miro board too so that uh, yeah. we can link yeah. to that because we, we understand we're just scratching the surface, right, of the yeah. the depth and breadth of these projects. Sure. Um, yeah. So certainly, yeah, we want to provide links so so people can learn more. Um, and, and I think that's what Josie and I felt when we watched your presentations was I'm blown away by just uh, how much how much you've thought about, like, every aspect. So it was just incredible. But we must continue and move on. So uh, thanks for that, Johnny and Lucia. We'd like to move on to the Stenden team. Um, and really, same question for you, a brief summary of your specific project um, and speaking to the place as well, right, the uniqueness of place. So let's just start there. Yeah, I could start. So we're in the beginning, we also had struggles finding the right place. We had toured, yeah, one or two different locations before. So it took us several weeks actually to find this location we were now um, yeah, based in. And it's called Holvert and it's in the north of uh, the Netherlands near the coast in the province uh, of Friesland. And yeah, in the Netherlands you have this dike so to keep the, the sea out. And this uh, Holvert city has a lot of history. So it was a trading port several centuries ago. But then trade and market lost uh, in importance and yeah, a lot of people left and this village started to shrink and a lot of houses were for sale. But then uh, four men came out with the Hover and Zee project. So they wanted to break the dike to bring the sea back uh, to the city as it was before. So to create an inland waterway, also to yeah, increase biodiversity and just bring also tourists back um, to the city. And we also thought as internationals, how can we connect uh, with people from the city in the Netherlands. So we found this project and they were already working together with students. So we thought, okay, it's easy for, easier for us uh, to get into there. So we yeah, had to contact to them quite quickly. And then, um, yeah, we started to create our yeah project, which is half floating and half uh, on the lands. Because in the Netherlands, um, yeah, a lot of houses are floating already and you have a lot of canals. So we thought, okay, we can 
bring the social and the cultural history into that as well. So we have some, it was a five, no, eight floating units and five um, on lands as uh, our lodging style. I think it's important. I think arguably one of the most difficult things was finding the right location. Um, we had settled on a location um, and we were moving towards that, trying to brainstorm and uh, think about what we would do. And uh, that was a challenge in itself, but um, it didn't uh, it didn't materialize, and uh, we we ended up having to look elsewhere. And we had a masterclass about community engagement um, with Simon Collier, who was one of the speakers organised by Christian, and uh, he really inspired us to look at the community aspect of things. And uh, yeah, when we came across this project, it just fit the bill so well. You know, we had uh, this small small village and uh, experienced serious urban decay and uh, was really being brought back with this project and they were literally reconnecting it with the sea and um, they also had done like a lot of uh, research um, on the biodiversity in the area how they were going to complement that look into different uh, surroundings there so we ended up focusing on the seagrass aspect uh, because it had been in serious decline in the modern sea in recent decades, it had been making a recovery, but of course, uh, a lot of work still needed to be done. Um, it was mainly due to agricultural runoff and things like this, and uh, it had been really suffering. There's two species of uh, seagrass in the in the sea. One had, I can't remember the details anymore, but one had declined very seriously, and the other was returning quite well, but uh, we thought this is definitely worth looking, out, uh, looking into. Um, and we decided that that would be, yeah, what we would do. You know, we would use the, the seagrass, um, concept and the regenerative aspect of that to create awareness in the community and also help bring life back to the community. Um, we had a short term goal of having our own seagrass plantation, but uh, as we looked into it, we realized the science was <laughs> very difficult. And uh, we, we got in touch with, with a researcher who was working on a, a big project. I think it was 220 hectares of seagrass uh, in the northern Wadden Sea. And she explained to us the challenges and the, the scale that you need. So we figured that our short-term goal could maybe become a long-term goal by raising awareness, generating funds uh, like this. And, um, yeah, we, we look to do that. By trying to secure, first of all, collaborations um, with um, different companies in the area that were already working on this, um, but also to maybe have like little small pockets of seagrass so that the guests could be close to it and uh, see the benefits in action, so to speak. Our theme of seagrass can also be uh, like it's not only planning seagrass to see for the guests or to yeah see the planning of seagrass. And for guests, but we can also find back our seagrass in our insulation of the houses and also in our collaborations that we tried or we wanted to sell a wheat burger and um, a beer. Whenever you drink a beer, um, a seagrass plant is planted. So we wanted to like really have the seagrass theme as our like core value. So it's always, always there and you can educate people. Um, about it more easily. Yeah, and that was something that Josie and I talked about with your project was just that you had integrated that that seagrass concept through everything you had done, right? So it was raising awareness, which was so important. And the collaborations too. So you gave some examples of that 
why is that important? Why are these aspects of awareness and collaboration and integrating this into everything? Why are they important for regeneration or from a regenerative perspective? Um, I, I can answer first, um, and I hope I answer uh, the question. But my immediate uh, thought is that something that struck us throughout our, our research into this was that all of these solutions are already there and in action. Um, and it's just a case of making sure that everyone knows and can contribute in some in some way. So kind of like the other team said, we don't need to recreate the wheel. We just need to really accentuate what's already happening and try and bring awareness and attention to it. So I think that's why we think it was important from the aspect of uh, regeneration. Um, and it was something that we weren't really sure of as we went through the project. But when when it clicked, it clicked. And we said, this is something we can really go with. Um, and it, it kind of just spoiled from there. Yeah, and about the collaborations, we also recognize that like we have to work together and not apart from each other to reach our goal that's bigger than just about us. Yeah, so we have our project, but like with the collaborations, we connect our uh, expertise and we reach out to more people. So that was like our goal with the collaborations because there are already a lot of collaborations out there. You know, if we connect together and support each other, um, yeah, it's easier to go forward. Absolutely. They are key aspects of regeneration, right? And the importance of place, because what you have talked about with your project wouldn't make sense in another place. And I think this is sometimes when we speak to the difference between sustainability and, and, and sort of best, so-called best practices, um, it doesn't take into account the place and the importance of place. And I think you've both spoken to that. Both teams have addressed that, um, given clear examples of why that's so critical for regenerative thinking or for regenerative design and, and development. Let's talk a little bit about how it was to work across disciplines and like across departments with students from different disciplines. So in our case, um, our team members were Meredith. Who, she was finishing her master's in architecture, then Nicholas in interior design, and then Johnny, Olivia, and I in the hospitality and tourism management program. Um, so I thought it was amazing, honestly, because not only did we get to learn about, you know, materials that we could use for a hotel, um, which we had no like previous knowledge about, you know, or also, um, approaches to design. Like for instance, we learned a lot about, um, inclusive design. That's something that Meredith was, you know, specializing in or, um, uh, what's the name of the other one? Synanthropic design. So like the design of synanthropic habitats, uh, biophilic design. So that was super interesting. Uh, but not only that, um, the other thing was also the different tools that they used to work, like uh, Meredith and Nicholas. So they um, kind of introduced us yeah, to this Miro board that we were talking about. So I think I had only used it once before, but they were really keen on using that platform and I think it was great because it made our project way more visual um, and especially because our, our meetings were held like 99% of our meetings were online so that was great you know to have that visual component so we also learned to I guess collaborate in a different way like learn their ways which was great like not only their knowledge but also so I think it was a fantastic opportunity to and it was for you know it was several months, right? So we got to exchange a lot and learn a lot from each other. So it was, it was honestly great. That's great because I think um, we talk quite a bit about how tourism is often 
sort of siloed or people see it as sort of like separate from from other uh sectors and i think both both terms have spoken to how that i mean like you said adam like the magic really happens when when you bring in those other cross-disciplinary approaches and and even just recognizing that tourism is connected to so many other sectors um we can't operate in a silo and we certainly can't be regenerative in a silo so i think there's a lot of um yeah i'm really inspired by by the idea of working working across disciplines like you have um what I'm curious what what you think is is different because it sounds like regeneration or this regenerative uh, way of thinking was quite new for for you coming into this project. So I'm curious about what's what you think is different about it compared to a typical like design or or redesign type of lens, um, or sort of how your how your thinking's shifted throughout the throughout the process. That's actually a good question because that's a question that our team. Um, us, ourselves a lot because we decided not to build something from scratch, but rather renovate and redesign an already existing building. And I think what we learned is that the two don't necessarily have to be mutually exclusive of the other. That when we found the building that we wanted to then work on and make regenerative and, and even more sustainable than it already is, um, the two kind of went hand in hand. And I think how that works is that when you take a structure that's already existing, you don't start from square one and you can see, okay, these are, these are concepts we want to put in place. We want to put a green roof in place. We want to put, um, you know, gray water systems in place. We want to have it as a space where community can come and learn and do action and make change. Um, and so I think where regeneration comes into play is using what's already existing to make better for future use. Because at least in our case, being in, the, in a big metropolis, uh, one, it's not so easy to demolish something. Two, when you do demolish something, you create you know, a, a cloud of you know, pollution, dust, smog, and it covers. And there's a lot of bylaws when it comes to demolishing old buildings, um, and especially ones that have heritage aspects to it. And so it was a, it was a unique opportunity to learn how the two you know coincide and, and play with one another and how renovating and redesigning in a regenerative aspect just means you have to do a bit more work and you have to do a bit more research and it means that not wasting space in the space that you have because the building that we have is quite small it's not it's not large by by any means and so it's making sure that when we do redesign you know a room to become someone's you know stay when they come to Toronto for a night, two, three nights a week, maybe, um, is ensuring that regeneration is in redesign and is in, in renovation. Um, and I don't know what about the, the Netherlands team because they, they created something from scratch and it was amazing um, that we were all kind of blown away by it. Um, so it'd be interesting to hear, you know, how, how they sort of played with the two. Yeah, for us also regeneration is like just also more than only the the design process of a building because then you have the community aspect and you have the collaboration. So like regeneration has way more aspects than just the building. But yeah, we started from scratch. So we had to really look into the materials as well because we didn't want to use concrete, which is not circular. So we had to look into circular concrete and woods with a a certain certificates. But these, all these materials we used and everything had to be circular and 
then on this sustainable and circular design, we um, included the regeneration and um, yeah, connected it with the community and the different aspects. Nice. Why is it important to have young people leading the way in creating new models? Well, I, I think, um, but I don't consider myself awfully young, um, but at the same time, uh, I think it's a fair question because um, I think, again, Christian uh, touched on it earlier, but um, certain generations were brought up uh, in a certain way of thinking. Um, and I think that the progress that has been made has been phenomenal and uh, something that has really given uh, the younger generations a platform to build on, um, not necessarily uh, starting from scratch. I think you can really uh, see the progress that's been made. Um, I know that uh, I've been reading the book by Paul Hawkins. Uh, he's an older gentleman, and um, he certainly has very insightful uh, takes on the situation through a lifelong experience, but uh, he's very keen on yeah, the book solving the climate crisis generation. Mm. Um, so it really creates a sense of urgency, uh, which I think is important for our generation to understand, um, on a, on a very serious level to, to understand mm. that it's urgency and that we're more than likely going to be one of the you know, biggest opportunities to, to make something happen over the next two, two or three decades. Yeah. And speaking about myself, eventually I'm a manager in the future. And maybe a manager of hotel, and then I, like after this project, I want to want my hotel to be regenerative, so to make a positive impact. I think that's also something I really took for also my future career in the end. So we are now getting all this information, knowledge, and then in our career or on the way to it, we can implement it and also create awareness there. Yeah, it's funny. Well, we obviously I say it's funny you asked this, but we had the question beforehand. Um, that last night, Luce, I, I called Lucia late at night because we were like, you know, we have to prepare for this. Um, and this was the one question we were stuck on. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So I walking, yeah, I was walking from from the subway. I just came from and I was like, okay, Lucia, how, Lucia was like, how are we going to answer this question? And w what we came up with is that, and and I think it it's proven that we spoke about it in you know, the demographics that are on this call right now, right? That it's change, although we want it to be right here, right now. Um, change can be a very slow, slow process. And it can take many years and it can take many generations to implement. That doesn't mean that the good work doesn't, you know, doesn't have to be done right now. And it, it is doing, you know, being done right now and hopefully will continue. But I think what's beautiful is that we had an opportunity to learn and be mentored by people who are older than us, who have experienced, you know, years that, you know, we just haven't experienced that with their own expertise and they're mentoring us. And what happens is that like when Nelly said, then we go to our jobs when we're older and even, you know, to our friends and to their children, our children to, you know, when we go speak, when we, when we get asked to speak at our universities that we graduated at, cause we're all going to be successful when we're older. Um, it's, you know, p passing it forward. And so then because we were influenced by our mentors, then we influence people that hopefully will see us as mentors. And it's all of that like pay it forward movement. Um, and Lucia and I spoke about this for like 30 minutes last night. We were like, oh, so good. That's so good. That's such a like, like important lesson to learn from this project. Yeah. Um, in, in like the people that are talking on this right now, right? That you know, we have 
people have years in their in their industry, and we have people who don't have years in their industry at all. But it's still having that conversation, and we've been impacted, and hopefully, you know, Christian and all of our other mentors have been impacted mm-hmm. by our idea. Um, and it's just again that pay it forward. That's perfect because it, it's that's a very regenerative way of thinking about it, right? It's that it's it's giving life back into a bigger system, um, and and also that it's it's about reciprocity that you know you've you've managed to sure. learn from from all of these amazing mentors, and at the same time, I'm sure that they've learned a lot from you, um, which is which is really beautiful, you know. And and I think in tourism we have a lot of the the old guard uh, sort of holding holding steadfast to these the old ways of doing things. And so it really takes people uh, to challenge those, to challenge those ideas. And a lot of the time that is, that is our generation. I say our generation because I'm the same age as, as you guys, but um, I think a lot of the time that, you know, that, that comes to our generation to, to be the ones to challenge, to challenge those ideas. We, we've got, we've got one question for you, which, which we didn't, ask you to prepare for which is a bit cheeky but hopefully it's not too um scary but we you know this is this is heavy work right like regeneration is there's a lot of hope in it but it's also you know um we're thinking about the climate crisis every day in doing this work and we're thinking about social issues that are happening in our communities and in the ways that we're, we're trying to um you know contribute to those issues but but it can be it can be quite heavy work so Debbie and I wanted to to ask you all, um, and you as well, Christian. Like, how do you how do you regenerate yourselves as you do this work? Excellent question. So, when you when you say how do you regenerate yourself, what what, what do you mean? How, how do you how do you keep the energy to do it, or how do you uh, how do you just for me to to make sure I get your question right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it is. It's about the energy. It's about the. Um, I think. For us, it's it's. If I were to be asked this question, it's sort of about the why do I keep doing it? You know, why do I keep coming back? And and even though it's even though it's hard, and um, and even though you come up against like like we we're just right against this this old guard, and um, we're sort of pushing the pushing those things. Yeah, so, so I think for me, there, there there are two things which which clearly stand out. So so one I think is. Um, at one moment, I took a decision. Uh, I, I read a beautiful book which is called. Um, See if I can translate it uh, properly. It's um, roughly something like pioneers of 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 a new economy. And uh, what I realized there was all pioneering stories, and and it was one red thread, which was all about you know people had been so um, working from a role of being an activist, kicking again against the establishment, uh, and using a lot of energy in that uh, in that area. And the moment of unlock in, in all those cases was the moment they started focusing on where is actually the positive energy? Where are the people who are willing already? Where's that 10%? How do we get to a tipping point and focus on the people who actually have great ideas, who, who get it, who would like to participate? And for me, that's been a, a fundamental change in my life. When I started trying to convince people to become more sustainable and, and I was... Um, uh, working as a strategy consultant, uh, uh, trying to influence big corporations to, to to change. And we all know that people find, generally people find it difficult to change. But the moment I started focusing, refocusing my energy towards the people who actually are excited about these opportunities, who have ideas, 
uh, then actually it start it starts become extremely enjoyable. It becomes you know filled with great opportunities, great ideas, great outcomes. Like you know we've just been talking about the the two great results of these two teams, and, and these are results that I couldn't have come up with. And then you start building that momentum. So I, I don't waste any energy anymore on convincing people who are not ready to be convinced. I like sharing. So I think sharing this in a podcast, making it available to others, also the content of these projects. So if people are interested, you know, they're, they're more than welcome to reach out and they can have all that content because we, we'd like to share rather than, than, than convincing people. So, um, yeah. so that's, I think for me, that's been a fundamental change um, in, in, in that area. I love that. Thanks, Christian. So this is actually, I'm going to take this as an excerpt out of an email I sent to Christian um, that we sort of send like a wrap-up email about the whole project. And I said, this project looked to challenge our minds and abilities, but most importantly, with the ability and confidence to begin or continue our adult lives with the ability to unlearn and relearn. We unlearn common practices we've been accustomed to in a collective effort to implement newly learned ideas and theories into everyday lives. And what a testament to this project's fruition. Um, and having been able to see these new ideas be implemented with the understanding that regeneration isn't just a physical aspiration for infrastructure and organizational practices, but a reminder to keep a positive spirit in our own lives. It's like a good summary of, you know, it's a, I think of one thing that I've personally learned from this is being able to critically look at things. And to be able to understand that maybe I come into things with my own bias. And especially when it came to, you know, learning about architectural designs and interior design concepts that are sustainable, regenerative, I would think, oh, like that, what that, why is that important? But then having the ability to unlearn that and relearn why it is important, I think is one of the key things about regeneration that I think I, I've definitely personally taken out of this. And I can continue using it in my everyday life. Another thing I was thinking of that, you know, this project taught me, and it's also related to what Christian was mentioning, is that regeneration is very much about, you know, interconnection and the relationships that we develop. So from the very beginning, when we were, you know, starting on our project, um, we were all talking how, you know, you have to involve stakeholders from the very beginning, and it's important that they are involved throughout the whole process. Um, but one important thing to keep in mind is that that we were reminded of is that if you want to practice like true allyship you actually have to keep those relationships beyond this project so i don't know if you get what i mean yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah. yeah maintaining those relationships and prioritizing them i think that has to do a lot with regeneration and it's very important to always keep that in mind i guess yeah I love that, Lucia, because I mean, that's, and that's, that's a big part of, of the work that Debbie and I are trying to do with this podcast, right? Is just bring, bring people together around these ideas and try mm. and continue these conversations and, and form relationships because we really see that that's where the potential and the hope is, uh, for this shift. Um, and yeah, we just, yeah, feel really privileged to, to have had you all on the podcast because, mm. uh, it's really inspiring work that you've been doing and, and, I'm so excited to see, you know, what's what's next for the Regeneration Collection and for you guys as individuals and for your projects. So, um, 
yeah, thank you so much for for taking the time and for sharing sharing all of these these thoughts and ideas with us. You're very welcome. Well, Josie, I just love this conversation. I came away so invigorated and so energized um, talking with with all the students and with Christiane. There was so much energy in the conversation and it was really evident that uh, this project has really got the students and Christiane and and Peter, his co-founder, very excited about this movement that they've started and this journey that they're on. Yeah, it was so fun to be on a call with with this many people and like everyone just really excited about this regenerative approach to hospitality and to tourism and and I think um you could just feel the the energy of like being a part of something and I think that we all were sort of feeling that. So um hopefully that came across to to listeners as well. Um and I think what sort of you know, I think the main thing when when we've reflected on this call, right, is just the courage of of all of these people. So, of of Christian and his business partner Peter to to take this on and to create this this amazing program. Um, of the students to sign up for it, um, they spoke a little bit to that in the call about you know why they joined it, and a lot of them didn't really know anything about it beforehand. Um, but also of the universities too, right, to to sort of step forward and say like, yep, we'll be a part of this pilot program of this completely new way of doing university study or, or a university program. Um, I think there's a lot of boldness and, and courage in, across across the board with this project. Yeah, I think so too. And and it is important to do a shout out to the two universities as well, um, to Toronto Metropolitan University and to NHL Stenden University of Applied Sciences for leaping in when they weren't really sure what it was about. Um, but they were willing to be part of creating something new and experimenting with something. And I think, you know, that's what you and I've talked about as well, Josie, with this regenerative tourism movement is that we're not really sure where we're going, any of us. And Christian spoke to that. Uh, it's a process of emergence and trusting in that emergence, but uh, coming into it with open minds and open hearts and a willingness to collaborate together to see what emerges. It's an exciting, exciting project that they've initiated. I'll say I can't wait to see what, what comes next from it. I think even just the concept itself of the program is such a beautiful example of a, of a regenerative type of project. Like every part of it, you know, it's it's designed to be place-based. The students had to to select a a place and and really embed their concept in that place. And they spoke beautifully to to that during the call. Um, the interdisciplinary approach that they took with students from different uh, sectors, as well as bringing in experts from different sectors, um, getting young people involved in that kind of like in putting new energy and new capability back into that into that system. I feel like there's so many parts of this that are are regenerative in in the essence of the project as well as obviously the concepts they came up with. Yeah, absolutely. Not just not just the content and the concepts, but the whole um, method of what they've of how they've done this has a really regenerative yeah. uh, lens and approach to yeah. it as well, which is very exciting and innovative. So commend uh, mm. Christian and, yeah. and Peter and the universities who got involved and the students for being part of something this uh, exciting. I was struck with, um, with both projects, how, how much thought and depth had gone into every aspect of, of 
initially trying to understand, I mean, they had Anna Pollock as an advisor for this project, but um, for this this whole program, I should say, to understand what regenerative thinking means in a tourism context. And you can really see that come through when each of the teams talked about their projects. Yeah, when Johnny and Lucia talked about the Brickworks uh, project that they did, there were so many aspects to that. And I loved especially as well how Johnny got so excited and wanted to show us his mirror board um, that you know, that, that not only are they looking at different ways of engaging in terms of the concepts, but the methodologies too, that they used different instruments as well for how they came together and collaborated. Um, and his excite, his excitement was really contagious. Uh, they looked at the, the building, you know, the actual organization as a social enterprise, the history of what it was that it needed to serve the community. Well, they actually had a whole specific ecosystem relationship model, didn't they, around how they approached it? Yeah, it was really amazing, actually. So they developed this, this person to person, person to place, person to planet, uh, what they were referring to as an ecosystems relationships model. And, that was really inspiring to me because they'd sort of taken a step back and thought about this place, thought about the different inter interconnected relationships within that place and created their own framework, um, which is resonant with things like nested systems frameworks that, that we're familiar with in this regeneration space, but created something that was specific to their project and to, to the, to the relationships that they were seeing and I think that really like guided them in their in their project. I think that that was really powerful in terms of keeping them grounded to that um, regenerative approach to the project. It was really impressive. I think um, we'll be able to link some information about that or their report in the show notes for for people to have a look at. Yeah, definitely. And how whenever they looked at a new aspect of that, they looked at it through those three lenses. Right. Every aspect mm, of the creation yeah. of the project, they looked at through those three lenses. And so it enabled them to think of a much broader stakeholder group, I think, than, uh, in including the place and, and the ecosystem as well. So yeah, really, really inspiring. And then, and then the wonderful project out of Stendon. I, I just love how the seagrass concept became central to everything that they did and and became this sort of like ground point and, and driving force behind what they were doing and I mean initially I think um, they spoke to the fact that they wanted to have you know like a massive seagrass plantation or or be a part of the regeneration of the seagrass in that in that physical way um, but after speaking to experts etc they they realized that maybe their role or their unique contribution should be different um, and focus more around education and awareness. And so I really loved how Adam said something about how there's all there's already solutions there. Um, it's just a case of making sure everyone knows about them and can contribute. And I thought that was really amazing because, you know, we're talking on this season of the podcast about tourism's purpose, right? And in in that um, understanding, I think there's an element of of recognizing tourism's purpose in awareness building or in storytelling, and I think that's that's what they've done with the with the seagrass um, sort of campaign that surrounds their their hospitality concept. Yeah, and that also spoke to um, the collaborative aspect of of working in a regenerative way too, right? Really interconnecting with what's already in existence. Like he said, like they they came up with this lowlander beer. Um, that was part of the marketing for the seagrass and then the weed burger or the, the, the Dutch weed burger, um, 
And so there was all these aspects that they'd brought in to really collaborate with what was already in existence to try and amplify that awareness around the seagrass. The other piece about collaboration as well was um, it became really evident how well they uh, themselves on their teams had had collaborated. And there were quite a few references um, through our conversation that they wished the rest of their team members had been there. Um, which I just thought was really lovely and spoke to the depth of relationships that had obviously been established through working in this way. Yeah, that's really awesome. eh? And and the fact that they were, you know, they had mentors and, and people, experts supporting them throughout the process, but they were really working in this, in this emergence sort of space. Like you could really feel that in the way they talk about their process and the way that they were you know, coming up with ideas was very much this kind of like figuring out what, what wants to emerge in these particular places. And I think it's, it's really inspiring to hear them talk about, you know, joining the project with, with little or no knowledge of what regeneration is to speaking so, uh, so beautifully about about the way that they've gone through this really amazing regenerative process as well as creating a regenerative pro- uh, project and I think that that's that's just um yeah for me that's what's most inspiring about this is that that kind of layered um regenerative approach not only in the output but in the in the process itself as well um I think we can all aspire to that yeah yeah, and a real testament to Christian and Peter for creating the project to be uh, to be to develop in this way to be very developmental, right? I loved hearing what they felt they'd each learned through this process as well. Adam really talking about using what's in existence, right? Really looking around and seeing what's in existence, which we've talked about previously on this podcast. Um, with Joanna Horgan particularly about looking at what's out there that tourism can already support and collaborate with. Um, I loved them talking about, I think it was Johnny talked about unlearning and relearning that part of this was really unlearning and, and seeing their own biases um, and thinking about learn, learning about how to think differently. One of the things that's really cool about this project is that these are, these are students who are taking on this kind of leadership role in this regeneration movement at a time where where the movement is is really sort of finding itself right and we're all trying to figure out how to take these these concepts out of theory and academia and, and put them into practice and I think that there's a real there's a real need for for young people in in that work of of bringing in these future leaders and um this kind of fresh thinking into the space to kind of insert new energy into into the movement, right? And I love that they recognize their role um, as well. You know that that they spoke to the urgency and of, of the times, and yet the opportunity that um, this way of thinking affords. Um, their roles as future leaders in hospitality, um, which fills me with hope. We asked them at the end to to speak to what regenerates them, and I think what sort of came through in that was partly about this feeling of reciprocity and like feeling of being a part of something, and and I think that really, for me, was really about just the power of these collaborations that they've that they've developed. Um, 
and in sort of continuing the the energy and, and allowing them to continue this work. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and Christian spoke to this, uh, this focus on where the energy is um, and almost that like it should be, this should be fun and explorative and creative, right? Like that was sort of what I was hearing, um, which they've definitely had some fun with this. <laughs> Yeah, I love that he talked about he no longer tries to convince people and he feels most alive when he's doing this work with other people who are equally as inspired and energized as he is. Yeah. Yeah. So that's wonderful. It's, uh, it's a wonderful it's a wonderful takeaway and um for me I really appreciate him saying that. So if this has piqued your interest and this sounds like you want to be engaged or involved or participate in something that is this innovative, this program will run again next year, starting at the beginning of next year, but applications are due in November. We will have all information in the show notes, but uh, Christian and Peter are looking for more universities. I think they're hoping to get about 10 to 15 teams next year into the program. It is a fantastic opportunity for any young person in hospitality or tourism who is interested in understanding what regenerative thinking and principles is all about and to apply those principles through a practical application to a concept in your places. We'll put some information in the show notes of how you can apply and and get in touch with Christian and Peter um, to find out more about about this work but I'm sure you can hear from from the the two teams that have presented today how transformative this program has been for them uh, and I think also it's fair to say um, for the universities that they are from uh, that this is this is bringing new changes into the way that they they teach hospitality and uh, and integrating regeneration into that as well. So I think that's really exciting and, and systems change at its best. So yeah, we just want to say a huge thank you to to Christian for coming on, on the podcast uh, and to him and to Peter Hill, the, the, his co-founder, who have created this incredible, incredible program. Um, and also a huge thank you to the students from the two universities that took part in this pilot and were willing to join us on the podcast. We had Johnny Braun and Lucia Duarte from the Toronto Metropolitan University. Um, and a big shout out to their team members who, who weren't able to join us on the call, Olivia Howell, Meredith Davis and Nicholas Burbano-Diaz. And from NHL Stendon, we had Adam Somerville, Naila Prasoon, and the rest of their team members who weren't able to join us were Demi Peters, Marissa Van Belzen, and Elisa Nitlia. So thanks so much for listening to this episode of Good Awaits. We would love to continue the conversation with you. So please join our growing LinkedIn uh, group, Good Awaits, a regenerative tourism network. If you're interested in learning more about regenerative tourism and being a part of the Good Awaits community, another way you could do that is to join us on our Good Awaits Aotearoa experience next year. We welcome you to join us in New Zealand for a 13-day exploration of regenerative practice through a tourism lens and to visit some of our amazing partners in New Zealand who you've heard throughout the podcast. So we would love to have you join us. The link to um, get more information about that is in the show notes. Yes, and Josie and I are actually leading that trip and uh, very excited to be sharing uh, the experience of, of spending some time with our amazing regenerative practitioners with the guests who are coming with us. So we'd love to have you join us. 
Uh, you can stay up to date on our podcast by subscribing on your podcast app. And please, it really helps us if you rate and review us. We would love to receive your feedback that way as well. The podcast is hosted and produced by the two of us, Debbie Clark and Josie Major. And our audio production is by our wonderful producer, Clary Macklin, without whom we could not do this. Thanks so much again for listening to Good Awaits. It's great to have you with us on this journey. 